while. Uh, I want to thank Dan for his communion. That was a great communion. Thank you so much for moving our hearts and um, uh, with, with the communion message and helping us to commune together and be closer to Jesus. Um, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to continue with our series, our series, The Ways of the Wise. Right. And um, we're going to focus on Proverbs 24, verse uh, 30 through 34 this morning. But um, but plan on looking at a whole lot of other Proverbs with us. OK. Um, and so we're going to focus that the, the topics this morning is is really laziness. Right. Um, idleness. And uh, come on, come on, get into some good news here in stewardship. Right. Right. And so uh, the big idea of the message this morning is that uh, what I want us to leave here with this morning is that the wise person is active. He's industrious or she and productive. Right. But first, let's have some fun. I want to I want to there. You know, I have this um, thing where I like to tell dad jokes. Um, They're usually not very good, but I'm going to try to get us involved a little bit this morning and. At least chuckle if you don't laugh, okay? And so if you don't if you don't find them funny, just kind of give me a smile so that I see that you're at least hearing what I have to say. But um, so a few amusing quotes and stories, poems that related to laziness. All right. So the first one is whenever I feel like exercising, I lie down until the feeling passes. Does anybody ever do that? For some of us, that might be a way of life. But um, and so the other is that when and if you could if you could, uh, Ayana, help me out with that slide. When you become a sports spectator rather than a participant, the wrong things happen to your body. Your weight, blood pressure, resting heart rate, cholesterol and triglycerides, they go up. Vital Capacity, oxygen consumption, flexibility, stamina, and strength go down. What would you what would you guys say that you can pull out from this from this statement? Like what do you what would you say you can learn from this? Anybody? Be a participant. Okay. The heart gets hard. (laughs) Be active. Anyone else? That's some good stuff, but because it's a joke. What I get from it is that the, the, only the strongest can survive as spectators. Um, so now listen to this poem, right? While other men paint or water or weed, I'm curled up in a chair with a good book to read. While other men shop or shovel or mow, I'm having a drink while watching some show. I offer to help. But my wife says, forget it. If you lend a hand, I know I'll regret it. (laughs) And therein is my secret. I'm very adept at only one thing, and that's being inept. (laughs) So a farmer was sitting on on the porch of his house when a stranger came by and asked, how's things? Tolerable, came the reply. He continued, Two weeks ago, a tornado came along and knocked down all the trees I would have I would have had to chop down for this winter's firewood. 
Then, last week, lightning struck. The brush I had planned to burn to clear the fields for planting. The stranger responded, that's remarkable. What are you, what are you doing now? The farmer answered, waiting for an earthquake to come along and shake the taters out of the ground. Now that's laziness right there, right? But none of us in here are like that. We're not, we're not lazy like that. But any, anyway, all right, let's go to God in prayer. Enough of that silliness, right? Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer, God. Just so grateful for your grace. We're grateful for your mercy. We're grateful for how you love us, how you take care of us, Father. Help us, God, to be industrious. Help us to be active. Help us to, 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 to know what we ought to do and do it, Father. Thank you for uh, watching over us. Thank you for giving us what we need. Uh, in your word, Father. We love you. Through your son's name we pray. Amen. And so again, we're continuing our series in the very next chapter of Proverbs here. We're looking at Proverbs 24. And so this morning, the topic, like I mentioned before, is really stewardness as well as laziness. So let's read uh, Proverbs 24, starting in verse 30. It says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. So in this week's main proverb here, right, it, it, the main proverb is this. It's about laziness. It's about idleness. Slothful, the slothful person is a person of ruin and waste. His field or his vineyard, full of promise, full of potential, can do, can do great things. Great things can come from it, but it has become overgrown with thorns and covered with weeds. And so in this proverb, this proverb is, is, is as some... Uh, commentaries call it, it's a tragic comedy. A tragic comedy, right? Maybe for no other reason than the sheer laziness that it describes. And so look at how the sluggard is described here. As, as someone who does not have any sense. It says, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Pretty intense. And so let me start with this. I'm not saying that we should aim to do everything and fix all the issues with activity alone. Because we do know that we plant and God waters. Amen? And so God has his part in everything that we do. And in fact, I think it's important for us to trust the fact that Jesus will handle it, right? That God will handle it. The Holy Spirit will handle it. It's not always up to us, but there is a matter of activity that needs to take place on our part. Because when, we, when, when everything grows, we also harvest and keep the vineyard looking good. But are we even planting? Are we even doing that part? And so here are a few things 
to know about a sluggard's character. The first thing is he won't begin things. He will not start things. He will not start what he needs to start. You see, when you ask a sluggard how long or when, you're being too definite for them. Right? When you ask them, okay, well, how long is this going to take? Right? When when are you going to do this? That's that's too much of a definite question that or or you're looking for this definite answer that a slugger doesn't have. Right? That's stress a stressful question for a slugger. Because he doesn't know. He has no idea. He doesn't start things, so he has no clue when it's going to be completed. Or how soon it's going to be done. And so all he knows is he's chilling and he doesn't want to be bothered. He's relaxing and he doesn't want to be bothered. And you're coming here asking him, how long is it going to take you to get this done? He doesn't want to answer that question. That's interrupting his relaxation. And the thing is, he may not even tell you no. He may say, yeah, I'll I'll get it done for you. But he's not going to tell you when. He's going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of it. When? I'll take care of it. Because you're interrupting his sloth. And so he's not going to tell you when it's going to happen. You know, in Proverbs 26, verse 14, it says, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. You see, sometimes a sluggard in his laziness is not only anchored to his bed, right? He is hinged to it. And as a door turns on his hinges, so he turns in his bed. He's just like one left and right, right? He's just turning in the bed, not even moving, almost like he just, almost as if he is sick and can't get up. But that's not the case. Right? So not only does he not start things, but he doesn't finish things either. And so it's like this rare effort of, the rare effort of him even starting, that has happened. In this rare case, let's just say he started something. But the rare effort of beginning is just too much for him that he's not going to even finish. He's saying, man, what did I do here? I can't believe I started that. That's how the sluggard behaves. I can't believe I just started that. Now someone, I don't, but now someone expects me to finish. And so because he's not finishing, he loses out. He's going to starve. His meal is going to go cold. Proverbs 26, verse 15, it says, A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's, 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 he's like, he's so like sluggish. 
slothful, lazy that he buries his hand in the dish, but won't even bring it back up to his mouth. So what happens? He starves to death. That's like, I mean, the wisdom scripture here has painted such a picture of laziness that we're just like, I pray, Lord, that that's not me. It's embarrassing, and it sounds silly, but it's really embarrassing because sometimes it happens. Start, maybe, but don't finish, certainly. And so he won't even face things. Things happen in life that because he's too lazy, he won't even face those things that happen in his life. So, so Proverbs 23, I'm sorry, 26, jumping back a little bit to verse 13, it says, a sluggard says... There's a lion in the road. A fierce lion is roaming the streets. By the way, that doesn't happen in ancient Israel. So I don't know where he even gets that from. Right? And so a sluggard also makes these preposterous excuses. Like a lion is roaming in the streets, which is, which is not normal in ancient Israel. And so saying all this is an excuse not to even leave the house. I'm not going anywhere. Right? Something's happening and I was invited to this. I was asked to serve in this way. I'm not going. Because there's a lion outside my door. Come on, y'all. So what we say sometimes is, that we don't want to do things because, or we don't want to do this or that because it's raining outside. It's too hot outside. After all, it's 100 degrees. Church is too hot. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm up here. You're down there. And all this activity I'm trying not to do is making me even hotter than you are, right? I'm not going, it's too hot. I can't believe they don't got AC working in there yet. Because these are the excuses that say, yeah, it's okay to stay home. It's so hot outside, it's raining. I've got all these bugs now and I can't wait for winter time because the flies go back where they go in the winter. Right? And we make all these excuses to stay home. And so we, we find ourselves doing that sometimes. And so we come up with the good excuses because we may be feeling lazy and we just don't want to deal. We don't want to go anywhere. And so the slothful person, he comes to believe his own excuses. He comes to believe that his excuses are true, that his excuses are real, that indeed the lion is outside about to get him. And he's not going anywhere. And so he rationalizes his own laziness. Because after all, as it says in Proverbs 26, verse 16, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. So he's so wise that he's like, look, you guys don't understand. You think I'm kidding. But there is 
the Lion King outside. And so he lives a restless life and always unsatisfied because he wants and wants, but will not work and work. Proverbs 13, verse 4. I told you we're going to look at a lot of these Proverbs. Proverbs 13, verse 4. It says, A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Proverbs 21, verse 25. The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. So it's going to be the death of him because he wants and he wants and he wants, but he refuses to do anything to get it. See, laziness leads to poverty and wants. And so it's important for us to understand today that a people of wisdom, as people of wisdom, we should avoid laziness. For it may very well lead to our demise. This is the way of the wise. But will we learn? Will we learn from the sluggard? Proverbs 24, 30, 32, it says, I applied my heart. This is going back to our original proverb that we were looking at. It says, I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Will we learn the lesson? In this proverb, learn the lesson, to learn the lesson here, the author sends us back to yet another proverb in Proverbs 6. And he says, go to the ants. Go to the ants. Next slide, please. And so when we think about the ants, right? Here's what Proverbs 6 starts saying. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Verse 9 says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? When will you stop being anchored to the bed? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So, so the ant needs no supervision. He needs no commander to tell him what to do all the time. Say, you got to do this. 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 He doesn't need that. Why? Because he's just going to go and do it. He knows what it takes and he's going to go and do it. He doesn't, he doesn't need to be prodded along. 
He doesn't need the nudge to say, hey, hey, go ahead, man. Get it done. He doesn't need somebody to say, lift the fork like so to your mouth. He doesn't need that. And so for him, it's almost like time is irrelevant. Be it summer or harvest time, he is going to work. He is going to do what it takes. He's resigned to that. That's the ant's behavior. The job may be different, but he is going to work. Whether it be summer or harvest time, it may be different type of work, but he's going to work. He's going to get it done. He's going to do the work in the summer and he's going to harvest. And you don't have to prod him to do it. You don't have to say, look, you should be harvesting now. No, he is going to do the work. And so unlike the slumbering and slothful watchman in Isaiah, he does the work. In Isaiah 56, starting in verse 9, if you could put that on the screen. Awesome. Thank you, Ayana. It says, come, all you beasts of the field, come and devour all you beasts of the forest. Israel's watchmen are blind. You get that so far? He says, come and come, all you beasts of the field, come and devour all you beasts of the forest. Because guess what? There is no watchman. Because he's blind. He's not even looking. So you can you can come and devour at this point. They all lack knowledge. They are all mute dogs. They cannot bark. They won't even say anything. So come, you beasts. Come. They lie around and dream. They, they love to sleep. Verse 11 says, they are dogs with mighty appetites. They never have enough. My dog Raven, she never has enough. She even tries to eat River's food. Got to stop her every time. They're shepherds who lack understanding. They all turn to their own way. They seek their own gain. Come. Each one cries, let me get wine. Let us drink our fill of beer. And tomorrow will be like today or even far better. Notice that laziness will even affect ministry. Laziness will affect your lives personally, but will also affect God's ministry. So let's talk a little bit about this poor sloth from who, from which we get the term, the same, the term of the same name, right? This poor guy, man. It's like we have this term of being slothful, and it's it's a pretty bad thing. But this poor sloth. I mean, geez, give him a break, right? So the animal known as the sloth often gets a bad rep. Conventional wisdom has it that sloths are simple, lazy creatures that do very little other than sleep all day. Even the very name sloth in most languages translates as some version of lazy. 
It seems astonishing that such an animal survives in the wild at all. Right? Because if he's chased, he's not going anywhere, guys. He's not going anywhere. You can, you can, I mean, he's surrounded and he's just like, oh, well, today's my day. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going anywhere. And so in reality, the lethargic nature of the sloth is a clever means of survival. The sloth life is certainly not the slowest form of existence, but as strategic but, but as strategic as that of any other animal. See, they are energy-saving mammals, taking life at a slow pace to avoid the rush and tumble for food. Let me stop right there for a second. You know, I've been talking, and many of you guys have been talking about the ruthless elimination of hurry. That's your guy right there, man. That's your guy right there. See, while subscribing... While subscribing the movement patterns that help them avoid being identified as prey, you know, their their movement patterns are are so slow, right, that all the other animals look at them like, that's not food. That's not food right there. That's moving way too slow to be food, right? It's like, I don't even know if he's moving, so that's not food. But unlike the, snuff, the sloth, whose, whose idleness contributes to its longevity in the forest and well-being, the idleness of a slothful human being corrupts and spoils. That's not a defense mechanism for us, right? Instead, what happens with us is that being idle corrupts us spiritually and totally destroys many parts of our lives. Proverbs 6, verse 10, it says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an unarmed man. And guess what? There's no arguing, guys. There's no arguing it. That's what will happen. If you're always sleeping, you're always, quote unquote, resting. That's what will happen. Poverty will happen. It will come like a thief and scarcity like an unarmed man. This this lesson, however, comes a little too late for the slugger, doesn't it? It comes a little bit late for the sluggard who is going to rise to see that poverty has already arrived and has pounced on him like a thief. See, because he has procrastinated and shirked hard work, he has qualified himself for poverty. See, the wise man will learn while there is time. He knows. The wise man knows that the sluggard is no freak, he's not weird, but instead, more often than not, an ordinary man who has made too many excuses, too many refusals. Not today, bro, not today, sis. 
There's a lion outside. Too hot. Too cold. It's not just right outside. Right? And too many postponements. Or I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. How about next week? How about next week? How about next week? How about next month? How about next month? How about next month? How about next year? How about next year? Right? Too many postponements. And so it, it, it has been, it has all been as unnoticeable and unpleasant as falling asleep. Some approach salvation in this way as well. They feel they have all the time in the world. And they make excuses. They make refusals. And postponements until life vanishes and it's too late. They don't make wise decisions like Ben did. They wait forever. Not today. Maybe next week. Oh, that's that passage you gave me to read? Give me a month to read the one passage. Oh, you, you oh, uh, salvation, salvation is, okay, well, I'll, I'll get there. Oh, you're trying to snatch me from the pit of fire? Let me hang out in it a little bit longer, and then you can snatch me later on. If I don't burn. Right? It's like this thing of, of, of really, do I have to do that right now? Is this Jesus thing really important? I'm telling you, there's no benefit to being a sloth. And so a wise man will learn while there's still time. As people of wisdom, we should avoid unnecessary excuses, refusals, postponements, for it may very well lead to our demise. Our demise in life and our demise spiritually. This is the way of the wise. And so we are called to be good stewards. We're called not to be lazy nor idle, but to be good stewards. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. And so as we look at this passage and as we look at Matthew 25, Jesus recites the parable of the talents to his followers. And some translations call it the parable of bags of gold. And the parable is about the value of faithful stewardship, which is tied to being industrious. It's tied to being productive, right? And so the parable, in the parable, three servants are each given a different amount of talent. And very large, these are very large monetary units in the ancient world. And so the first two servants were diligent and they were fruitful in what they were given. Right? They were, they were good and faithful stewards. 
with what they were given. Now the third servant was idle. He was lazy. He says he was fearful and was quickly reprimanded and punished by his master for being slothful. He was reprimanded and punished for being lazy and not doing anything with it, but going and just digging a hole and saying, okay, I'll hide it. And so in Matthew 25, verse 26, it says, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, here's what you should have done. You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. But instead, you were lazy. You're a lazy servant. And so part of being diligent and industrious, a diligent industrious person is being faith, a faithful steward of what God has graciously gifted you. Through grace, he's allowed you to have what you have. And he's given you this. And so whether it's a vineyard, as we see in Proverbs, or a talent, or a bag of gold, as we see in Matthew, we need to receive it with grace and be good stewards. And so on a general level, God has given all of us life. Life itself. And so are we going to be good stewards with our life? Are we going to be good stewards with that gift? Or are we going to waste it? Through being lazy and slothful. What are we doing with our life? Now, if you're a disciple, if you're a Christian, what are you doing with your life? Because you have an opportunity for salvation, which is also a gift. You were baptized and you said, Jesus is Lord of my life. What are you doing with it? Are you chilling? Are you anchored to the bed? Swinging from right to left like a hinge. What are you doing? Who are you serving? Who are you loving? Where are you, where are you storing up treasures? Here on earth or in heaven? Because if you're going to store it up in heaven, it takes work. It takes activity. You know, we have there's this thing now where, where people are trying to make money from their beds on the internet. That doesn't work in the kingdom of God. What are you doing with your life. On a more specific level, God has also given each of us certain abilities, certain skills, personality traits, and unique fears of influence in the community. And we're able to be faithful stewards of these things. What are you doing with it? If you can sing, are you singing? Amen. And praising Jesus. If you can read, are you reading the Bible? 
If blood courses through your veins as a disciple, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your skills? Are you serving people? What are you doing with your influence? I've heard people say, oh, I know everybody. Great, fantastic. Where are they? (laughs) Right? What are you doing? Are you being good stewards? We're all called to use these gifts for the glory of God and and to further move his kingdom. What are you doing? I'm not asking that question to say you're not doing anything. I'm asking it because I want you to think about it. What are you doing with the gift and gifts that God Almighty, our creator, has given you and allowed you to have? Let's talk about money. What are you doing with it? They're poor out there. What are you doing with it? Is it, is it to get a new bed to be more slothful on? What are you doing with it? And I'm not trying to be insulting, guys. And I'm just trying to say, what are we doing with what we have? We're called to use our gifts to the glory of God to further his kingdom, to introduce people to him. And so when we do this, We can hope in the Lord saying in Matthew 25, verse 23, well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your father's happiness. And so I want to close by saying that if you have any questions about what you've just heard, ask the person who brought you. And they will do a far better job of explaining it than I have. So ask your friend. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you so much for for experiencing this series with us. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen.